0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the last word on sends podcast. It is episode 47. As we head into, I believe, year three now of the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Granted, there was the COVID shortened season was the first one. So uh, it was only really a year and a half. um, But definitely the most exciting year heading into it. And this episode, if you're wondering why I haven't introduced a guest yet, uh, it's because it's just myself. Please don't rush to turn off the podcast. I promise this will not be as long of an episode as some of the other ones have been in the past. But obviously, when I have a guest, it's usually 45 minutes to an hour and 15, anywhere from there. Uh, I think this will be a, a, a quicker 10, 15, 20-minute podcast, somewhere, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, it's, as I'm recording this, it is 1045 at night and I did not feel like trying to schedule a guest. Work has been super busy for me, which is why I haven't got to record, but there has been a couple pieces of sense news and I wanted to hop on and just share my thoughts. So figured I'd give this a try. And you know, one of the things I've really wanted to work on more often throughout this season is posting more regularly. I feel like I really get in a groove a couple weeks where I get guests back to back, but then, you know, uh, I have a busy life. I obviously have another podcast. I have a full-time job. I I play hockey once a week and indoor soccer as well, so it's a busy time for me, and there's times where I go uh, two, three, four weeks without recording, um, so I'm hoping if I can try out this schedule where I just record 10, 15, 20-minute Segments at a time time and post them and maybe people enjoy them. Um, You know, just more quick hitting analysis uh, and obviously uh, keeping mixing game guests every couple weeks here or every week or so still. So um, yeah, let's get started. Uh, I I will say, so the preseason has started. Ottawa has played three games now. They played a split squad game against the Leafs and then they played against Winnipeg. I have not watched a single second of any of the games. I don't find preseason hockey to be... Very entertaining, if I'm being honest. Um, And truthfully, I know we're all starved for hockey by the time it comes back, but I watch so much hockey during the year that I know I need to pace myself. And jumping right into it with nine preseason games over the course of two weeks, it's just, for me, it's not... I don't think you can take much away from it, especially these early games where, like, they played Winnipeg the other night, and it was literally the Belleville Senators... And fourth line players for Ottawa playing Winnipeg's actual roster. It's like, well, you can get a little bit of this. Maybe you can see if guys like Parker Keller, Parker Kelly, uh, Matthew Joseph, etc., look good. But at the same time, both sides are just trying to ease into things and get their body right, right? So obviously, there's a few fringe roster guys who are going to be really going all out. But like Nikolai Ehlers isn't going to be going and laying the body on someone just delay lay the body in Game 2 of the preseason. So, um, yeah, I'll be honest. It's not going to be a ton of preseason game talk. Um, I promise that uh, once the season starts, you will get in-depth analysis of the games that are happening. Um, but for the actual preseason, we will not be doing that. Um, but I did want to talk about two signings that they... Uh, well, signing and two PTOs that the Senators made since I last recorded. Um, if you missed my last episode, Steve onsens joined uh the podcast and we had a really good discussion about um the forward core with Ottawa and, and who we thought might be a surprise from the minors. You know, we kinda touched on Ridley Gregg. Does he have a spot on this team? You know, he's coming back from the the shoulder injury obviously. Um Victor Loden was a, a real outside shot. Igor Sokolov might get a, a look here and there, but we didn't really know if like didn't think he would be a full time player. Um But one name we didn't expect was a signing in Tyler Mott. Uh, The Ottawa Senators signed him to a one-year, $1.35 million deal. Mott is a winger. He can play both the left and right side. Um, He was drafted in 2013 by the Chicago Blackhawks. He's now 27 years old and has jumped around the league a little bit. He has played in Chicago, Columbus, Vancouver, Uh, And then New York last year, I believe he got traded to New York at the deadline, if I'm not mistaken. So um, Ottawa will be his fifth team. And a common theme with uh, the past couple organizations he's played for, especially Vancouver and New York, is that uh, he's a pretty solid player. Like, I I really like this depth addition for the Ottawa Senators, Pier and keeps on going with his hot pier summer. Um, I think this is, you know, this isn't a needle-moving contract by any means, but By all means, it looks like uh, that—not Drake Bathin. Sorry, Alex Formington will miss the start of the season. He doesn't have a contract. Obviously, the Hockey Canada investigation is ongoing, and that is the most important thing. uh, That investigation gets done properly. So uh, it sounds like, by all accounts, Formington's contract will be waiting until that investigation is done, and then obviously the results of it will depend probably if he even gets a deal or not. Um, But they signed Tyler Mott to a one-year deal, and it kind of looks like he's their insurance right now for that third line. He's been starting off on the left wing, and I think a line of Mott, Pinto, and Matthew Joseph is going to work out really well to start the year. Um, Mott is not a guy who... Is going to score a ton. His career high in points is sixteen in seventy-four games. He had fifteen and forty-nine last year. Uh, but he is a defensively responsible player, and I think that's going to be a good fit with guys like Pinto. And then Matthew Joseph is going to be the one that needs to drive the offense on that line, which I think he can do um, to a reasonable degree. Obviously, we're not expecting Matthew Joseph to put up fifty points or anything like that. Like that, that would be unreasonable. But you know, they can be a line. And I don't know, I don't, I don't think they're going to get hard match quite to the degree, but if they can play defensively responsible, I can see it being a discount version of the Hoffman sh- quote-unquote shutdown line from a couple years ago, um, where basically you have, you know, the line is out there, that, I think it was, was it Pajo Hoffman, and oh, I can't even remember who played on the left wing, for or on the other wing for them, but Um, You know the the idea was they took the hard matchups but could still score here or there and it worked to varying degrees But I think the same idea could be applied here where you have uh, Tyler Ma and honestly Matthew Joseph was better defensively than he was offensively last year. But, you know, you can run a Mott, Joseph, and Pinto line, and I don't think they're going to—they're not going to score a ton for you, but I think they're going to be really responsible defensively and still chip in offensively, which would be the perfect third line to have when you have the top six that Otto has. If you have a third line that can more or less play to evens, just kind of slightly win their matchup. They don't need to dominate their matchup. Just play well most nights, and, you know, obviously don't get caved in when they're on the ice— Ottawa's top six is now good enough that that should be good enough for this team, and then it comes down to the fourth line, obviously. But regardless, I think Tyler Mott is a great signing for this team. Um, From what I've heard, he's already looked pretty good in preseason. Again, I haven't really watched much. I've seen some clips on Twitter. Um, I'm not gonna buy too much into preseason one way or the other. Just with you know, I I, it's I do buy the kind of it's really bad to look bad in preseason, but it's. You don't really gain much stock for looking good um, because, again, there's so much factors that go into it, including just guys, you know, not always giving it their all. So, um, yeah, I I really like the signing. I I think for a cheap one-year deal as well, like, there's no term on it. So, like, absolute worst-case scenario, Tyler Mott forgets how to play hockey, literally the worst player we've ever seen. Guess what? They can scratch him, wave him, and they will barely have a cap hit, uh, you know. They can move him probably for nothing. It's a one-year deal. Some other team, I'm sure, would take a flyer on him. It's just you know, there's a no risk but a good reward kind of contract. Um, if Formington, you know, let, let's say, and I, again, I don't want to speculate or anything. Let's say the hockey can investigation comes back and just outright clears Formington. He signs a one-year deal with the Ottawa Senators in a couple months. People are going to go, well, oh, what do you do now? Well, there's a good. It's a good thing to have more good players on your team so that would allow Foreman to slide down to the fourth line put some speed there maybe Mott slides down is a defensively responsible fourth line but honestly all that I think is getting ahead of ourselves. I think it's important to let the process go uh, out when it comes to this hockey can investigation Um, so Tyler Mott is the one that we know will have a role with this team this year Um, I like that signing a lot I think you know it's a just another good NHL player. Like, I think adding names like Tyler Mott instead of Chris Tierney is important. Um, it's not going to move the needle, but again, like having Tyler Mott as your ninth, tenth, eleventh forward option at times during this year is so much more valuable than Chris Tierney playing two seed like he did last year for large stretches of the season, to be honest. So, um, yeah, great move. Uh, again, just another solid acquisition, in my opinion, by Pierre Dorian. He is just killing it this offseason. I, I've i done a full 180 on him, basically, you know. Uh, so, I, I like. I, I don't think there's been a move I have disliked, other than maybe the fact that he's kept both Hamannik and Zaitsev. And even that, part of that seems like his hands are tied. It doesn't seem like anyone really wants Zaitsev. So, um the other two I want to quickly touch on, and it's because they signed into PTOs, is two very different players in Derek Broussard and Michael Dalcol. Uh So let's start with Derek Broussard. Obviously, Sens fans know Derek Broussard. Uh, he came over in the trade from the Rangers. Uh, was a part of that awesome 2017 run, and then the following year got flipped uh, at the deadline for the, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's how they got uh, Philip Gust- uh, yes, Philip Gustafson, um, who obviously now has landed them Cam Talbot in a fun little trade tree. Um, since leaving Ottawa, Broussard's career has gone downhill. He was a disaster in Pittsburgh. Eight points in 14 games when he got traded. That wasn't too bad, but only four points in 12 playoff games. Following year, he had just fifteen points in forty games with Pittsburgh. He got flipped to Florida, four points in ten games, and then flipped to Colorado after that, uh, and four game, four points in twenty games of them. So in a total of sixty ga- or seventy games that year, he had a meager twenty-three points, and then one point nine playoff games with Colorado. Uh, he signs a one-year deal with uh, the New York Islanders here after that, kind of uh, revitalizes a career in a bottom six role. Thirty-two points in sixty-six games, not bad, but obviously not you know peak. Derek Brassard or anything, you know, even in Ottawa he had 38 points in in 58 games and 39 in 81 and then obviously with the Rangers he was a 50 point uh, a 45 plus point guy and and with Columbus too. Um yeah, and then he signs a one-year deal with Arizona in 2020-2021, uh, 20 points in 53 games with them, uh, and then last year he played with the Flyers, 16 points in 31 games, and got flipped to Edmonton where he had just three points in 15 games and only got into one playoff game. So, uh, yeah, his uh, career has obviously gone downhill since that conference final run in Ottawa. He's 35 now, doesn't have a ton in the tank, but I don't mind this as a PTO, and uh, the reason is especially like. I think PTOs are a great tool just in general. I, I think that, you know, obviously you want your team signing good players to PTOs rather than bad. I don't think Derek Broussard is necessarily a bad player. He's just not what he used to be. But if he is your 13th forward, you are very, very happy with that. Hell, I honestly think he would be an upgrade on the fourth line from on Austin Watson. You know, I get Austin. People like Austin Watson. He blocks shots. He does all the tough stuff, rah, rah, rah Right. He, the fact of the matter is he's not a great hockey player. he just he just isn't. You know, He blocks a lot of shots, which looks really cool. But you know, there's every data study we see shows that if you're blocking a ton of shots, it's because you don't have the puck very often. That's not a good thing. I still think much like Brassard, Watson could be a 13th forward, And if you're easier 12th, it's not the end of the world. But they're very similar players in that I think, you know, if you have an extra one or two of them, I think that's really good depth because I trust Derek Broussard to put more effective minutes in still than like JC Harlock, uh, who they've also signed. And you know, not that he's a horrible player, but like Dylan Grant Gambrell, it's the same thing. He makes 950k this year. I'd rather Derek Broussard, if I'm being completely honest. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he can earn a spot through camp, either on the Sens or somewhere else. Uh, I definitely think he is likely enough to get a spot somewhere in the NHL this year. Um, but I, it kind of feels like his time's uh, a little limited um, in the league. It, this I, I would be a little surprised if he completely revitalizes his career with Ottawa or anyone else this season. Um, but hey, who knows? You know, we, we've seen it before. Um so that was one PTO, and then the other one's Michael Del Cole And uh, the the reason I love PTOs, of, you know, even for guys like Broussard so much, is that it just creates competition in the bottom of your lineup. Like, I think even, obviously, it would be an absolute shock. But, like, Shane Pinto needs to show... Like, he only played five games last year. And, you know, to us, it's an absolute lock that Shane Pinto makes this team. And I think it is. But bringing in guys like Broussard that are hungry to get a roster spot... Just gives that extra layer of knowing that, you know, Shane Pinto can't come in and coast during this this preseason. You know, he's gotta get his legs underneath him. He needs to show this team he's ready. Uh, even more so for guys like Parker Kelly. And, you know, I'm never, I don't think anyone needs to really worry about Parker Kelly's effort level. Same with Mark Gastelic. You know, like, these are guys that are going to give it their all no matter what. But adding Derek Brassard just gives you another level and another look for guys like that. And obviously also helps them hit. You need a certain amount of guys with a certain amount of games played on your preseason roster. So that's another one. Michael Del Cole is a really interesting one uh, for me. I, I really actually do like this signing in terms of, like, if this is a guy they sign as like a 12th forward, I think he gives you actually a little more upside than, um, you know, definitely than like a Derek Broussard and just about anyone else that they have in uh, their fourth-line options there. Uh, Tal Cole, obviously, he was drafted by the the New York Islanders. Um, He was a, a pretty hyped prospect. He was... Uh, fifth overall. So, you know, very hyped obviously. Back in way back in 2014, he just never really made it with the Islanders. He, he had seven points in 28 games in 18-19. He didn't actually make the team until 2017-18. So, uh 3 years I believe after he was drafted, um you know, despite playing a decent AHL numbers, he just never really he never really fit, you know. He was definitely it's fair to call him a bust. Um but, you know, his career high in points is 10. I uh, had 10 and 53 in 2019 20, uh, 4 and 26. And then last year, he only played one game in the NHL, and then 22 points in 39 AHL games. Uh, this is just another guy, you know. I think you know, I, I'm kind of relying on his high draft pick uh, pedigree, thinking that, you know, he provides some upside. But again, if this is like your 14th forward, I would much rather a Del Colt kind of guy come in than Dylan Graham Prell no offense to Dylan Graham Bell, I just know he's not bringing much to this team, you know? Um, Like, he had 12 points in 49 games with the San Jose Sharks playing in a pretty elevated role, if I remember correctly, in 2020 2021 with San Jose. Um, You know, like... He's fine, but it's just—it's more about having depth, and I'm not saying these guys are going to come in and be impact players or anything, but I do like that these are two names, two very different players as well. You're not just signing a bunch of old veterans or anything like that, but two very different players that are going to give you different looks. If you don't like what you see out of them in preseason, you don't need to sign them. If you do like what you see out of them in preseason, they're probably getting a league minimum contract for one year, Um, You know, and you have 45 out of 50 contracts right now. So, you know, obviously the Formington one might take up another one. We'll see. But you have lots of space is the point to go and sign a couple guys to like dirt cheap. Maybe even maybe even it's a two way deal, you know, for a guy like Michael Del Cole. But it just adds another layer of depth where, you know, then if you get a run of injuries, let's say Kelly goes down. um, Watson goes down. And someone in the top nine goes down. So you already have, say, Sokolov coming up for the guy in the top nine. You don't need to rush another guy up, you know. Like, if you want to let Ridley Gregg stay in the minors. Or you don't need to rush, you know, Angus Cruikshank, Victor Loden up. Either one of those guys up to the the majors. You can call a guy like Del Cole, who's 26, 27 years old, and has played in the NHL. He'll be able to do that. Or, you know, Derek Broussard comes out of the press box. So, um, I, I, like those moves. I, I think, you know, they're not, uh, none of them are needle movers. The Mott one's obviously the biggest piece of news and it'll be interesting to see him in the Sens jersey, but, um, yeah, that's all there really is. Uh, you know, it, I'm really hoping they don't go in the season with Ham, uh, Hamanek uh, and Zeitza playing on the right side. I, I just don't think they can do that and expect success. So, uh, we'll see for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they, they've, uh, It'll, it'll be up to preseason to turn that. I think by the end of preseason, we will kind of know whether those two are both going to be in the lineup at the same time or not. Um, but other than that, like, the vibes around this roster are very good in terms of the on-ice stuff. Um, I'm really excited for this season. I think that, uh, you know, I haven't been this excited for a season since 2017, 2018-ish. Um, I, I, it's just... It, I really, really, really hope that this team gets off to a solid start. They don't need to go, obviously, 10-0 and or anything like that. But the last two starts of the season have been so miserable. I've been, last week I did a, or last week, another day I, I wrote up a puck drop preview for Last Word on hockey, which you can go listen to, uh, or go read, sorry, at 9.15 on Thursday morning, it's coming out. Um, so pro- probably when you're listening to this, it'll already be out. You can go read that article if you would like, and that's a selfless, promo, but it's just previewing the end season. I went through storylines, their off season last year, you know, their projected lines and stuff. And honestly, like I didn't realize or didn't remember just how bad the start of last season was. I knew it was bad. I didn't realize it was 4-15 and too bad in the first 21. Like that is, you can't come back from that. And the season before that was the same. They were like 1-9-1. and It's just like, and that was in a shortened season. So at least in the shortened season, it was like, oh, thank God. We only have like 40 more games of this to watch. And and both seasons, obviously, they got better as the year went on. But, you know, like that's the point. They cannot start like that again this year. So um, that's the biggest thing for me. I I just, I hope they play good off the bat. um, And I'm super excited, as I'm sure everyone else is, to get to watch this team. So um, I'm hoping to get down to Ottawa a couple times, too. Uh, I have a week off. Near the end of October, Um, so I am hoping to take a couple days off or couple days of that week off and head down to Ottawa. So I'll definitely keep people notified about that. But um, you know, I'm kind of looking in that range of I think October 18th. They start a homestand. They play the Bruins on the 18th, Capitals on the 20th, Coyotes 22nd, Stars 24th, Wild 27th, uh, Panthers 29th. Um, So that that's kind of the or sorry, no, I get, they go to the Panthers on the 29th. But they have five home games in there. I'm kind of hoping I can get down to a couple of those, uh, which would be really cool because I haven't gotten down to a Sens game in a couple years either. So since before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to that as well. Um, Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can check out my work at LastWordOnHockey.com. Um, the puck drop preview is what I have there. We're doing it for all 32 teams, if you're interested in reading. Uh, I did the Senators. And then I also had a, a post last week about why Justin Hall would actually be a good fit for this team. Uh, the, the article's a little outdated now because the Toronto Maple Leafs have come up against a string of injuries on their blue line, and he will not be moved. Um, but I kind of looked on it both from both sides and why I thought both Ottawa and Toronto could benefit from a... Justin Hall swap. Um, so if, if you want to go read that, the, the logic for a lot of guys, uh, cheap players like Hall still apply to the Sens where, um, you know, he's a right-handed D and that would help his team and also help the team he's leaving just for cap reasons. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Go check that out. If And um, you'd also check out my other podcast, the MNM hockey podcast with my buddy, Chase McGallum. Uh, we're in the middle of breaking down every single division. Uh, we, once this is out, the, this is probably going to come out late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. The Eminem Hockey Podcast will be scheduled to come out Thursday afternoon at some point. So, um, you know, you can listen to that wherever you listen to these podcasts, uh, that we touch about the whole league there, um, and it's a lot of fun. So. Um, Yeah, absolutely go check that out, please, as well. You can follow me on Twitter at NHL Sens and stuff and at Last Word on Sens. Uh, Much like the past four years now, I will be gifting every Sens game or almost every Sens game that I can. So I'm really looking forward to that, too. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Let me know what you think of this solo podcast. Uh, that was pretty easy 22 minutes for me to ramble on, but I, I I love having guests on, and I absolutely will continue to have a bunch of guests on throughout the year. It's just sometimes hard to schedule, especially with uh, the busy season that it is right now. But um, yeah, let me know what you think of this, and if you like hearing it, and if it's something you want to see mixed in a rotation one little more. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening, and I will talk to you all next week.